Some viewers may find the following video disturbing. Viewer discretion is advised. last week justin going down and you know right from the get y'all had my back so i couldn't appreciate y'all anymore couldn't have did that without y'all today and glad we go out there and get it going hello and welcome to a special halloween edition of buffone 55 a spooky approach to breaking down the chicago bears i'm john buffone and normally i don't have this incredibly fake mustache on but tonight i'm coach mike ditka and with me is my co-host and producer i believe she just came in from Kansas City. T Swift, Taylor Swift, Alyssa Barbieri, how you doing tonight? I am doing great. Uh, I just thought that, you know, NFL fans haven't heard enough about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey at this point. So, hey, <laughs> no, just joking. But, I mean, I'm super excited for this Halloween show to, pre- to recap a win, John. The Bears have won another football game, which, I mean, I don't want to get, you know, too used to this, but. I mean, it's fun. <laughs> it is. Listen, I'm 2-0 and this year when going to Bears games, and that's not something most Bears fans can say. I feel great. The Bears notch another win, and we get to be a little less negative this week. Uh, more treats than tricks. Uh, so I- I'm pretty excited uh, to just jump in and break down this win. Uh, also, the over-under of 15 seconds before this mustache fell off, we hit the <laughs> under. It's uh, like This is literally taped to my face, glued to my face, and still it is just falling off. And this is this this is, is basically saying, John, you can't grow a mustache, you can't pull off a mustache, just give it up. But for tonight, we're gonna try to, to make it work. Alyssa, before we break down all of this, can you give everyone a rundown of how the phone 55 works this season? Absolutely. So we will begin with the classic B55 segment. That's when I ask John five questions about the Bears, and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds. The 55 is John's way of paying tribute to the great Doug Buffone his uncle, his mentor, and a man who played 15 seasons with the Bears and wore number 55. Then at halftime, we're going to break down the Bears' upcoming opponent. And this week, we're going to take a deep dive on the Los Angeles Chargers, who, despite playoff expectations, are having a rough go at it and somehow have the same number of wins as the Chicago Bears. We're then going to finish things up with a free-for-all that we call Buffon's Basement, where Danny Shimon joins John and me, and the three of us are going to break down this last win and look ahead to one of those dreaded primetime games. So, John, are you ready to roll? I hope my rants are a little more on point than this friggin' mustache is. But, yeah, let's let's go. 
just no laughing and i think i feel like i got the better end of the stick i just had to put a wig and lipstick on no i had to i had to pretend like i could grow facial hair so uh let's go (laughs) okay then so it's time for our b55 segment that's when i asked john five questions and he somehow keeps his responses to within 55 seconds so let's go ahead and get it started so john the bears defeated the raiders last sunday and once again you were in attendance to see the victory You spent three days in Chicago, and why I want to hear about your experience at the game, I also want to hear about your time in the Windy City. Sorry that you only have 55 seconds. Go. Oh, wow. 55 seconds is not enough, but here we go. Chicago was amazing. I got to walk through the Windy City with my brother, my aunt, and my cousin. We're incredible tour guys. We went up in the Willis Tower. We hung out in Little Italy. We walked around Greek Town, saw the West Loop. We went into Gibson's and saw my Uncle Doug's picture hanging on the wall. I tried Malort for the first time, and if you know what that is, you can guess how that experience went. I uh, then spent all Saturday hanging with the Barflies and other barroom hosts, eating Lou Malnati's pizza and talking football, and of course, Sunday was spent at Soldier Field in an incredible atmosphere with incredible fans. The weather was beautiful, and I got to watch the Bears absolutely annihilate the Raiders. You honestly could not ask for a better weekend with better people. Everyone was so accommodating. It'll be impossible for me to express how grateful I am for my Chicago friends and family. And look, I've never been a big city person, but Chicago, I love you, and I absolutely cannot wait to come back. I, I love it. Oh, my God. I, you almost got me, Aldo. You almost got me with the jump scare. I, um, I, I didn't know that was coming, by the way. That, that, was, not, that, was, legit, that was legitimate. Oh, my God. This he always keeps us on our toes, right? You got, we appreciate him for that. But, John, I do think I speak for everyone in the Bears fan base when I say that we need to get you to go to every game for the rest of the season and probably for the rest of your life if that's going to be the Bears win because, my goodness, you are a good luck charm. Yes, I mean, everyone agrees. See, well, we we got to reach out to we got to reach out to the Bears then because I'm gonna need a little bit of compensation for the amount of travel and ticket prices are gonna be. But uh, if if somebody wants to reach out to the Bears and uh, let them know that I'm willing to do that, uh, then then uh, we can we can take it from there. I think the Bears should buy you Ryan Poles a private suite, and then you know we could bring some barflies in there, have a party. Let's go. I mean, I don't think that's such a bad idea. I mean, there there's something to be said about having good energy in the stadium. So hey, George McCaskey, call us. But we're here. <laughs> we are here. So, John, the biggest storyline to come out of this game was rookie quarterback Tyson Bajan winning his first NFL start. The undrafted free agent went 21 of 29 for 162 yards with a touchdown and, most importantly, no turnovers. So, John, how do you grade Bajan's performance? 55 seconds are on the clock. Okay, first things first, let's separate Justin Fields from Tyson Bajan. I swear even a win can bring out a lot of negativity in people. But for what they asked him to do, Tyson Bajan was very efficient. Somewhere around 75% completion percentage. He got the ball in his playmaker's hands. DJ Moore caught eight passes. And he didn't make huge mistakes to bury the team. No interceptions. I think just two sacks. And he let the running game and the defense kind of do the heavy lifting. They did run the ball 38 times. Deontay Foreman had 89 yards and two touchdowns on the ground and added a Another one receiving, and then Darrington Evans chipped in 48 yards. For for what they game floor for, it worked. The defense got stops, the running game moved the change, and Bajant made some nice throws. Seemingly, he went through his progressions pretty well, and uh, he had a very efficient game for an undrafted rookie whose last start was in Division Two. He looked very poised back there, and the moment wasn't too big for him. I'm sure I'm missing something with the offensive line, but Danny Shimon will most likely get to that later in the program. <laughs> 
still not used to that. See, so, yeah, no, but I'm getting more used to it. So, yeah. so thank you. Okay. So no, I definitely agree. I mean, I was impressed. I mean, how can you not be with what Bajan was able to do out there in his first NFL start as an undrafted free agent out of a D2 school? I mean, he executed the role of game manager just perfectly. And I mean, we talked about it, you know, heading into this game that he really, like, Bajan really does seem to fit like what Luke Getze wants to run. And, you know, Luke Getze, give credit to him, called a really good game, a game plan for a rookie quarterback making his first NFL start. Like you said, you know, you got to lean on a productive run game that has just been dominating over the last month. And the defense, which I'm sure we're going to get to later on here, that really held its own. So it was a really good, solid performance from Bajan. And it sounds like we're going to get to see him again on Sunday night, which is going to be another big test. So we'll see. But overall, very impressed by the rookie. Yeah. I mean, it could have been way worse. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And that's we know we that. As that's, how we look, that's how we look at things. It could, be, it could always be worse. <laughs> It could always be worse. So now we're going to move over to the defense. So once again, they put in a very solid performance, creating multiple turnovers and holding the Raiders to 235 total yards. So my question to you is, is this unit turning the corner with Matt Eberflus calling plays? 55 seconds and go. So let's give credit where credit is due. The defense looked pretty good. Yes, I know it was the Raiders, and yes, I know it was Brian Hoyer, but if Hoyer would have gone for 300 yards and two touchdowns, there would have been a firestorm. Good defenses take advantage of bad offenses. Now, I'm not ready to crown the Bears' defense as consistently good, but it was great to see three interceptions, two of which from Jalen Johnson, who added a pick six, and Tremaine Edmonds put his stamp on the game with an interception. Jaquan Brisker also racked up nine tackles, and Justin Jones got a sack. So the the defense has gotten better with Eberflus calling the plays, and I'm not saying that increases his value as a head coach, but the last three weeks have been somewhat encouraging from a defensive standpoint. And if you're going to keep trying to run the ball, drain the clock, and be efficient on offense, the Bears defense will have to continue doing what it's doing. It will be uh, pretty interesting to see this Sunday night how it develops, and I think this game against the Chargers will be pretty telling. <laughs> I know now I'm forgetting that it's popping up, but like I'm not jumping, which is very impressive. Don't don't laugh too much. Your mustache is going to fall off. Freaking John. mustache! I tell you what, the, I did not. Come on, coach. This, I did not pull it together, coach. Pull I'm trying. Together. I'm I'm pushing through. <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, defense. Yes. The Bears. Which I mean, just I mean, you look at what the defense has been able to do over the last few weeks, essentially since Eberflus took over play calling, and you look at the first four games where they're allowing what an average of 35 points or around that per game. Now, over the last three, it's been 19, specifically the last two, 12 and a half, which is just out. Like, it's incredible. I never thought that we would see those kind of numbers. And like you said, this Sunday is going to be a very big test against a really good Chargers offense. And I do, I, I kind of want to go back to like the Vikings game, right? Because that was a top five Vikings offense, a Minnesota Vikings team that just took down the 49ers. Mm -hmm. So you look at the success of the defense was able to have against them. I mean, I'm encouraged, right? And now we have guys healthy. Jalen Johnson's feeling super confident after that two interception game. Paid the man. Please, Poles. Thank you. Um, just really encouraged from what we're seeing from the defense because, my goodness, we were, like, on the ledge, like, <laughs> what, like oh, yeah. a couple weeks ago before, like, that Commanders game. It was just, like, it was brutal. But definitely, you know, very encouraged from what we're seeing from offense and defense, especially because things just looked so bad in the beginning of the season. Well, you know what happens when we start getting encouraged a lot. Uh, usually, usually the I wheels know. fall off. Yeah. Oh man, that's my bad. Okay, never mind. No, I'm not encouraged at all by the defense. Sorry about that. So, John, <laughs> let's let's turn our attention 
to the upcoming game. So the Chargers are currently two and four, and they're having a season that most would see as underachieving. But as we know, the Bears have not won back-to-back games in the Matt Eberflus era yet. So how hopeful are you that the Bears can notch back-to-back wins for the first time under Eberflus? 55 seconds are on the clock. Well, there's always some form of hope. Anything can happen in the NFL. I'm hopeful that the Chicago fans will be flooding into L.A. and it'll feel like a home game for the Bears, which always helps. And if they can dominate time of possession and run the ball like they did against the Raiders, they'll be in the game. So we'll see how Bajan does with a game under his belt if they want to try to take a deep shot or two and maybe the defense can uh, produce some turnovers. I'm, I'm a bit concerned because Justin Herbert is not Brian Hoyer. And if the Bears find themselves down nine or ten points, I'm not sure last week's game plan will work as well. If they're in a bind where they need to score multiple times in a condensed time window, I'm a little nervous. But the Bears have actually scored more points than the Chargers this year, and the Bears' defense has given up just an average of 17 points per game the last three weeks. So take what you will of those stats. But it's not like they're rolling into Kansas City this Sunday. But as we have said before, Alyssa, as Bears fans, you're always concerned. That's just in our DNA. That is the exact reaction I think that we would use just, you know, <laughs> but as Bears fans, I mean, we'd be doing that all season, it feels like. No, but yeah, like you said, kind of heading into this game, I mean, there's a reason, right, that the, the Bears haven't won back-to-back games under Eberflus. I mean, I think we both agree that he's just not the guy, but we'll see because this is a challenging game. It is a primetime game. Mm-hmm. You have an opportunity to make a statement. It's a Chargers team that's underachieving. Justin Herbert, he has a, uh, not on his throwing hand, but he has what a broken middle finger or whatnot on his left Mm -hmm. hand. If you rattle him like the Chiefs were able to last week, you have a chance, but this is a great test for this Bears team. And I'm really encouraged to see what they can do. I don't know. I'm going to keep picking against them and then maybe that'll help because every time I pick against them, they win somehow. So. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's, it's one of those things where just when you start getting some encouragement and you just start getting your hopes up, that's whenever they go and they lose by 40. So uh, oh. I'm, I'm trying to keep my modest expectations heading into this game. I'm, I, I'm very hopeful. I, like, I, I, I don't want to say I'm very hopeful. I, I really want them to win, uh, but we'll, we'll just have to let it play out. Yeah, we'll see. Hey, I mean, what they did last week. You know, again, I know it was against Brian Hoyer and the Raiders, but specifically on offense, how they were able to sustain those long drives, including the, including those first two drives in the second half that took up what 14 minutes, which is essentially a full quarter. If you can kind of if you can do that on offense and continue just to milk the clock and keep Justin Herbert and that offense off the field and put up points and your defense can go out and make plays when it needs to. I mean, hey, we might have ourselves a game here. We might. Might we again. Might. I'm not getting my hopes up. Oh, this is my mic. Not getting my hopes up. Promise. You might. <laughs> <laughs> so let's finish with this, John. You know, we all we all know of your disdain for primetime games, which is something that I share. But since the Bears are coming off a victory and they actually won their last primetime game against Washington, are you feeling any better about this week's Sunday night contest? Let's shut off the clock. Tell us how you really feel. Oh my God, no. My thoughts on primetime games haven't changed at all. I I know they're coming off a win, but holistically, I get nervous when I know my friends are going to be watching the Bears. I don't live in Chicago. I was raised near Pittsburgh. It's not like I'm going through this misery with my friends. My misery is the material they use to rag on me for three hours during the game and usually three to four days afterward. At least on Sunday afternoon games, they're glued to the Steelers or Eagles games and I can kind of fly under the radar. There is nowhere to hide when the Bears are playing playing on Sunday, Monday, or Thursday night. So to the Bears, I beg you, 
please, please, please don't be embarrassing on Sunday night. A loss is bad enough. A loss followed by a week of Bears jokes by your buddies is just another level of uh, aggravation. So please, please, please play well. But that'll do it for B55. After this message, we'll preview the Los Angeles Chargers and talk with Danny Shimon, the Barroom's lead analyst. The fall is where we rock here at the Barroom Network with over 15 shows scheduled from September to January. Make sure you subscribe to the Barroom Network's YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcasts. Chicago has one of the most passionate fan bases in the world and you owe it to them to give some sort of explanation to some things. Guy's making blocks, and he comes and he just brings in this nasty to that offensive line that they just desperately need. He's not blowing through money like Ryan Pace did, offering massive contracts to Pernell McPhee's that have never been starters before. You got to build the trenches. That's where the focus needs to be in the draft. I like the fact that Kevin Warren's in charge. Welcome back to Buffone 55. As we noted earlier, the Bears are back in primetime this week as they head to the West Coast to take on the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday Night Football. Aldo Gandia previews a team with a lot of questions surrounding it, but also touts a highly talented quarterback in Justin Herbert. The 2-4 and four Los Angeles Chargers are spooking their fans after two straight losses and a 1-2 and two record at SoFi. The horror begins with the defense. They're allowing a monstrous 406 yards a game. That's 31st in the NFL. Fields has all day. Only the Broncos are more ghoulish. Yet the Chargers defense is a mess again this year. This past Sunday at Arrowhead, the Chargers allowed 24 points and 334 yards of offense to the Chiefs in the first half. Of course, the Bears' defense was even more abominable when they lost in KC earlier this season. But the Chargers' D is trending down and the Bears are heading up. What has Charger fans' heads blowing up is that the defense is loaded with notable players. Mac. And it's a sack to start the night on a third and six. Getting home is Khalil Mack. What a run he's on. Fox. This will go down as a sack. A loss on the play, and it's Morgan Fox. James. Leading the way for Moster. They get away from Mack, but not James. Rookie Tui Pulotu. Whoa, wrapped up. Tui Pulotu gets up. Samuel. It's first and goal. O'Connell. Intercepted. It's picked off. Asante Samuel. And 
Bosa. And Joey Bosa's on the field. Third down and ten. Here he comes. And Tannehill goes down. Bosa. Wow. Those are just some of the names capable of delivering supernatural performances. Tannehill's under pressure and Murray wraps him up and takes him down. Well, that's it's head coach Brandon Staley who fans want to see burned at the stake. They think he's been masquerading as a defensive genius. You know, and that ultimately was my responsibility and I didn't do a good enough job. job. The frights for the Chargers don't end with the defense. Intercepted! Quarterback Justin Herbert fractured the middle finger of his left hand in week four, and since then he's played the worst football of his life. First sack of the night, Herbert gets rid of it and he's picked! Intercepted by the Cowboys! Well, yeah, well, I'd love not to, to be able to land on it. You know, it's, it's one of those things that I, I don't want to put in harm's way, um, and I'm doing my best to, to, to wrap it up, to, to protect it, um, and to stay out of trouble. Herbert has conjured up one less touchdown pass than Justin Fields despite playing one more game. His go-to receivers are wideouts Keenan Allen and Josh Palmer, along with tight end Gerald Everett. Running back Austin Eckler suffered a high ankle sprain in week one that forced him to miss three games. Unfortunately, last week he re-injured the same leg and his status for Sunday night is uncertain. Backup Joshua Kelly has been mediocre this season, although he did have a long touchdown run against the Chiefs. Kelly with a foot race. Kelly all the way to the end zone for the touchdown. The Chargers offensive line has looked gory at times. <laughs> the team is allowing two and a half sacks per game, but the Chiefs had five last Sunday. Will Clapp took over at center in week four, and no one at that position has allowed more pressures per pro football focus. The Chargers are certainly not a bad football team. They have just regressed, and that includes their special teams play. For Buffon 55, I'm Aldo Gandia. We got one of the best behind-the-scenes people in the business. Let me tell you what. Those Give videos, him his Emmy. Yeah, the, the editing, the graphics, the, the 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 narration, the facts, the footage. It's fantastic. I say it every week. I absolutely love everything that Aldo Gandia puts together. He just and nobody else has that kind of asset in, the, in their back pocket for this show. So we appreciate that. But let's let's go into the, that bumper that said Buffon's basement. That's a segment where we bring in uh, the the lead analyst for the bar room. I believe he just flew win it's maverick from top gun you may know him uh as danny shimmon but tonight he is maverick hey mav what's going on man i have a need i need for speed oh what's we are on, well, guys and you are in the right place because we're gonna be talking about the bears offense if you're talking about speed. oh is that danger zone i hear is that a little Ken kenny loggins in the background oh man you know i love some good music our show has the best <laughs> I love, oh. I love it. You guys look awesome. I mean, I mean, John, John during Buffon 55, Coach Ditka's the mustache is coming off. 
Oh, dude, You're so angry. <laughs> Danny, I, I'll tell you what. I have re-glued this during the break like nine times. It's going to rip my skin off when I take it on off after this show. There is literally going to be nothing on my face because I think I actually cemented it to my face at this point. It, so, it'll become well, permanent. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think the mustache will fall off, but the tape that I have on is going to stay on, so I'm going to look really stupid. Uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll save that for after the show. But I, I want to start talking about, you know, the Bears. So, uh, Danny, we, we watched, we looked over the game last week, and you've looked, you've watched a lot of quarterbacks in your time. You've, or you've scouted a lot of quarterbacks. What did you think of Tyson Bajan's overall performance against the Raiders? I mean, overall, he did what a good backup quarterback does. Comes in, he doesn't make a mistake, you know, manages the game, and he's able to, you know, lead his team to victory. Uh, but in terms of, you know, being his first start, the really the thing that really excites me about Bajan, what I like about him is it just like I said before, the stage isn't big, big enough for this kid. I mean, he's a guy that comes in there, he's comfortable, he's got, you know, he's got some moxie. You saw the energy he brought, uh, you know, not only to the crowd when he was waving to the crowd to kind of get him pumped up, but also you saw the. His teammates, his teammates put a little bit more spark, a little more energy. So, um, you know, was that all Bajan? Was it all, you know, just it was a, a good day for the offense? I'm not sure. I like the fact that he spread the ball around, John. And he, he got the ball to uh, multiple receivers. I believe it was six or seven receivers touched the football. So I think that's something that we have not seen with Justin. Uh, the one thing that clearly stands out, something that I, I called out, you know, going into last week was his quick release. And you saw the quick game was there. The ability to get the ball to slip screens, those quick hitters to, you know, DJ Moore, even get it to, to the running backs and all that stuff. And I also like the fact that, you know, he's, you know, he's not the athlete that Justin is, but you know, if, if things break down, the talk, the pocket breaks down and he feels pressure, he can, he can use his legs to get away by some time and also, you know, look, look downfield to, to find a receiver. So you know, the one thing that concerned me though, is the bears didn't stretch the, the field vertically. And even, uh, even more concerning was the fact that at the end of the first half, they brought in Peterman, to throw that Hail Mary throw at the end of the half. And I'm like, okay, are you trying to tell me that he doesn't have the arm strength? And I do love uh, his reply, Bajan's reply in the postgame show when a reporter's asked him, you know, in terms of his arm strength, he goes, I have a cannon. And that's the kind of moxie, that's the kind of um, confidence, the cockiness you want to see from your quarterback. So, again, he's a guy that, that has some intriguing things that really do excite me. Uh, but in terms of last week, I think he just came in, did his job, didn't turn the ball over you know, uh, got first downs. I think the Bears are had one of the, the better clips in terms of converting on third downs. Um, so I think that, that, that's something that they hopefully build on here. Like I, what I want to see this week is see if they can stretch the field a little bit more vertically and see if we can get some more big plays down the football field. Well, let's stick with that quarterback position because we're, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. But uh, there, Alyssa, there was was there any news out of Hallis Hall today regarding the recovery of Justin Fields? Because I think over at Bears Wire there was a report there was a report that the Chicago starter might be or could be or there's a possibility that he could be back for Week Nine. What do you know? Yeah, you know, this week, Matt Eberflus announced that Fields is still considered week to week with that right thumb injury, but he is officially doubtful for Sunday night's game. So it looks like we're going to be getting Tyson Bajan making his second NFL start. You know, the belief is still that Fields is going to be able to avoid surgery and a stint on injured reserve, which would obviously require him to miss four games. You know, Eberflus reiterated that, you know, grip strength is going to be an important factor for Fields' progress before they can you know, start testing his pain tolerance and all that. But with that said, Fields is progressing and he could very, very well return for a week nine matchup against the Saints. Uh, according to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, Fields is working toward a week nine return where 
just like Eberflus indicated, he's hoping to avoid that IR stint. You know, and the fact that Chicago didn't place him on IR last week, I mean, I think that's an encouraging sign. But again, you know, when we're encouraged, bad things tend to happen, right, John? So um, we're just going to see how things develop moving forward. But right now, the important thing is that Fields is progressing, and we'll see if he can make his return week night against the Saints. Now, Alyssa, I'm going to stay with you now just to kind of get an update on the overall injury report of the Bears. Uh, possibly some positive news coming out of that report? Yeah, well, let's just say it's another long injury report yeah. uh, after Wednesday's practice. Uh, practice, But we're going to focus on some key players, and there are some positives in here. Uh, starting with the offensive line, um, a little bit of questionable, you know, a little concerning news, uh, right tackle Darnell, right. Uh, he was questionable last week against the Raiders with a shoulder injury while he did play right. Didn't practice on Wednesday where he was listed both with that shoulder injury that had him questionable as well as a toe injury. So that is something to monitor throughout the week, but there is positive news on the offensive tackle front. Uh, left tackle Braxton Jones was designated to return from IR today. You know, he suffered that neck injury back in week two against the Bucks. So it does certainly sound like there's a chance that Jones can play Sunday night, which would be huge. I mean, cause I mean, I think Larry Bourne's been the weak link of that offensive line right now. So, I mean, as for what uh, Jones needs to prove in order to return, you know, Eberflus was just talking about like his functionality in terms of movement uh, as well as conditioning. And then meanwhile, right guard Nate Davis still is sidelined with that ankle injury. So it, it does seem like we're going to see that interior, interior combo of Cody Whitehair, Lucas Patrick, and Tevin Jenkins against the Chargers. Uh, and then going over to safety. So we're going to start with the good news. Uh, Eddie Jackson, uh, who missed last week's game with that lingering foot injury, was back at practice Wednesday in a limited capacity. But, you know, so assuming there aren't any setbacks, it looks like Jackson should be back on the field Sunday night against the Chargers. And then there's Jaquan Brisker. You know, he did clear concussion protocol after Sunday's win against the Raiders. But he was listed on Wednesday's injury report with an illness. So that is also something to monitor as we go throughout the week. And some good news, running back Roshan Johnson, it appears he appears on track to return this week. He's still in concussion protocol right now, but he was a full participant in practice. You know, he simply needs to clear a few hurdles within that concussion protocol process before he's clear to go for Sunday night's game. But I mean, this Bears run game's already been pretty dominant, even without him. So now you have Deontay Foreman, you're getting Roshan back. I mean, could be in for a lot of running against the Chargers on Sunday. Alyssa, you spoke about that offensive line, and so, Danny, I got a question for you. With the news that Braxton Jones could potentially be close to returning to the roster, how do you feel about that Bears offensive line right now and how they may fare against Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, and the rest of that Chargers formidable defensive line? Well, hopefully Braxton Jones is able to play this week because uh, obviously, you know, Larry Borman left tackles has been quite a uh, an experiment that I'm I'm done with, to be honest with you. He's a guy that obviously he's a backup. He's a backup interior offensive lineman being kicked out to the outside, I think, because of necessity. Uh, but I think if Braxton Jones comes back, especially this week, uh, you know, with with the likes of, you know, um, Kilo Mack and, and Joey Bosa, although it looks like Bosa has the injuries have a little bit caught up to him. He's only had three sacks so far in the season and, and Max got seven, but of course, six came in one game. So. Uh, you know, th that that defense up front has some names. But, uh, you know, if, if you have a healthy Braxton Jones, 
And then, and then probably going to, you know, continue to keep Devin, Tevin Jenkins over at right guard to fill in for the injured Nate Davis. And with, you know, with a tandem of, of Jenkins and right, I think we saw again last week, guys, is was was that power. That's the power side of, of the Bears offensive line. I mean, whether it's Nate Davis or if it's Darnell Wright, though, that side is where the running backs can go ahead and just, you know, follow those big boys through and get some big chunks. So I think that's going to be able to continue that if you look to run the game, run the ball, which I hope. Luke Getzey does again this 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 week is, is establish that run game and then build your your passing game off of that. Yeah, speaking of the running game, we, that's going to be a you know a key part of this game, a key part of the Bears' uh, efforts going into Los Angeles. And Alyssa De- Deontay Foreman had a great day running and catching the ball against the Raiders. Uh, what's the likelihood that he could get the majority of carries once both Roshan Johnson and Khalil Herbert? return to action do you think that this goes back to a committee thing or is Deontay Foreman playing himself into a prominent role yeah I mean you look at what Foreman has accomplished since he's been that lead back over the last couple of weeks I mean just incredible 31 rushes for 154 yards he's averaging five yards a carry and he's accounted for three touchdowns and I just like think back it's it's insane that he was a healthy scratch for Mm -hmm. the previous four games before that but I think it really does speak to the depth of the running back room you know but with that said there are only so many carries to go around even when you run the ball as much as the Bears do Um, and the Bears have an influx of talent at that position so I mean while players shouldn't lose their job to injury I mean Foreman has certainly earned carries even when Herbert and Johnson do come back I mean, I think this weekend we're going to get our first glimpse of that. You know, if Johnson is cleared from concussion protocol, you know, we might see a heavy dose of Foreman if, you know, the Bears want to play it safe with Johnson as he ramps back up. I mean, Herbert's still on IR, so, I mean, we won't know really for at least another couple of weeks. But if you're Chicago, now that you have Deontay Foreman, you have Roshan Johnson, even Darrington Evans, right? You don't have to hurry or rush Herbert back. Let him get healthy. Um, but then the Bears do have an important decision to make. I mean, I do think we're still going to see that committee approach, um, but it's going to be interesting how they do divvy up those carries, and I think we're going to get our first glimpse of that starting Sunday night against the Chargers. Too much talent is what I heard from you. There's an influx of talent. In one position. It's something something we don't get to say very often when talking no. about this team. Save uh, this. So we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, you know, both Herbert and Roshan Johnson are going to eventually come back. So it will be interesting to see how they're going to uh, how they're going to divvy up those carries. Because it seems like as long as Bajan's in there or even when Fields comes back, they may stick to this. We're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And we'll see how how those carries get distributed. Uh, Danny, I'll be honest. I was a little surprised that uh, Bajan didn't throw more to the tight ends. Uh, that's supposed to be, you know, a quarterback's best friend, the kind of the, the safety blanket, so to speak, whenever he's, you know, getting his feet underneath him. But uh, one pass was thrown and it was to Mercedes Lewis. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you expect uh, Cole Komet and Robert Tunyon to be a little bit more involved against the Chargers? Well, we saw a lot of 12 personnel, which is what I, I called for initially was, you know, to get a 12 personnel in there, make sure that you have an extra tight end on the side of the tackle in which Max Crosby lined up over. And that for pretty much for the most part, that that's what they did. So I think, you know, I think the tight ends were really pretty uh, uh, heavily involved in, in the passing. Uh, I'm sorry, in the blocking uh, up, up front, the offensive line. So I think that's why they saw a little bit you know, less in terms of targets overall. Plus with, with Bajan's quick release, I mean, he, the, the quick game was what he was doing. He was, you know, getting the ball out of his hands quickly. The Bears don't have those explosive tight ends that, that get off the line of scrimmage quickly and get into their to their routes that that quick. So I think that's might be the reason why we didn't see that many targets to the tight ends. But I think I think you know keeping them in to block help you know help uh, offset the uh, you know Max Crosby out there and and the Raiders front. 
Uh, and then also the the ability to get the ball out of his hands quickly to his receivers on the outside is I think that's what kind of uh, you know all you know, con- contributed to the tight ends not having that many targets last week. So a big part of that run game and the offense being efficient and doing what it wanted to do, what it wanted to do. It was contingent on the defense playing well and keeping the, the keeping the opponent's offense off the field and also keeping uh, too many points off that end of the scoreboard. So let's talk about some of those guys that had great performances. And Alyssa, I want to start with Jalen Johnson. He had two interceptions, uh, play, had a great game. And so, I mean, this guy wants to get paid. He showed the crowd that after one of his two interceptions on Sunday. Uh, what's the going rate for a cornerback? who now has three career interceptions, but is still considered a pretty good cornerback. Yeah, I mean, when push comes to shove, I think Jalen Johnson, as we can all agree, is a solid and I think underrated cornerback in the league. Yeah, he doesn't have the the flashy numbers um, that some others like Trayvon Diggs have. But, I mean, when kind of doing some digging, looking at Spotrack, you know, they projected Johnson to land a three-year deal worth 23.3 million or about 7.7 million average annual value, which just, I mean, I think we can agree his value is more than that. He's definitely going to be looking for more than that. And when you start really talking about contract extensions, we could be comparing him to others. So, you know, one that's come up is uh, obviously Cowboys cornerback Trayvon Diggs. He landed that massive five-year $97 million extension, which made him uh, the fifth highest paid cornerback in the league. But again, Diggs does have the numbers that Johnson doesn't have. And we've heard Johnson talk about that this offseason, which is why, you know, he's been cool to just kind of play the season out. He he didn't hold out like Roquan did. He didn't request a trade or anything like that. He knew that he had to go out there and prove himself. And we've gotten a glimpse of that, not only Sunday against the Raiders, but yes, he did finally get those numbers doubling his career interception total but i mean he's been one of the better cornerbacks in the league you know teams opt to stay away from him and when they have to target him he's he's put up incredible numbers i think what the passer rating he was allowing was like 20 in the 20s or something like that so i mean when push comes to shove i'm just kind of projecting right now i could see johnson landing maybe somewhere in the 14 18 million per year range but again i think it'd probably be on the lower end of that but you know he did say that him and his representatives have you know picked up discussions again with uh with the bears so we'll see what comes out of it but i think we can agree at some point polls is going to have to start retaining some of the young talent on this roster i mean we saw that with um him re-signing colt commit and i think johnson should definitely be next i mean he just i think he's definitely proved that and earned it at this point Danny, I think, uh, you know, free agency is intriguing. It's not about what you're worth. It's about what somebody is willing to pay for you. And so uh, if do you think that the Bears and Jalen Johnson's agents are talking about an extension or those conversations are going to take place uh, in the near future? And where do you rank him uh, as a corner? Can he be the Bears' number one corner or another team's number one corner that is willing to spend some money on him to bring him in? Well, in terms of are they talking, I mean, and like let's just say right now, Johnson himself said that his representatives are talking to the to the Bears, and in terms of you know trying to get an extension going. Uh, and, but in my my opinion, you know, he's not a Ryan Poles guy. He, Ryan Poles didn't draft him, and and Ryan Poles is not going to break the bank to try and resign him. Uh, and I think if a team comes around and and, and gives uh, Ryan Poles a a pick that he likes, I think he will go ahead and ship him out. Uh, that's that's the history he has shown us, and, and that's probably what he'll end up doing. I mean, the only guy he resigned was Cole Komen. Again, Cole Komen didn't break the bank in terms of, you know, the 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 salary, average salary for for a tight end. So that that's the thing is is uh in terms of Jalen Johnson. I mean, he could be 
he could be a, a number one corner, but you know, the, the interceptions, I have numbers haven't been there. Obviously last week was an exception to that rule. Uh, you know, but he's a guy that, that does play hard. He's a physical corner. I think he's tailored me for the system in terms of being that off man uh, cover going to be able to come down and be able, you know, jump passes and, and get his hands on, on balls and get deflections and then also be, be tough in terms of run defense. But the other thing with, with Johnson, that's kind of hurting him. I think, you know, he has had dealt with some injuries and he has missed some time, some games. And, you know, as, as John Fox famously said, the best ability is availability. So I think that could be something that that could see Johnson's numbers knocked. And I, I don't see him getting anywhere near the, the Trayvon Diggs numbers. Uh, but again, like you said, John, you know, it, it, it takes one team to have a, a, a dire need and willing to go and overpay to, to bring a free agent in. And, and, you know, he could cash a bank that way. We've seen numerous players uh, or numerous teams bid against themselves when going after free agents where they'll, they, they got to, or a, a free agent doesn't want to go to a particular team. So they have to overpay to bring him in because, well, I don't really want to go to this team. They're not really a contender. Uh, I don't really want to move to this place, but they're paying 25% more than what the other offer is. So that's, that's where I'm going to go because financial security is a big part of this. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if he does hit the market, um, if the Bears are willing to outbid some of the other people that are thinking, okay, this is a guy that can be either a one or a one A or a really strong two, and for the numbers that Alyssa was putting out as far as what his value is, I think he's going to get more than that. But uh, it, it will be interesting to see where his value uh, sits on. And there are some players who hold out to say, I'm going to wait until I get that big contract, and it never comes, and they have to sign a one year deal, kind of another prove it year kind of thing. So a lot can happen. Uh, still, a lot of games have to be played, and and uh, Jalen Johnson can put more on his resume to increase his value as, as we go for, as we go forward. Yeah. And speaking of the NFL trade deadline and Johnson, potentially, he's definitely one of those candidates that the bears are looking to be sellers. You know, guys, next week, when we meet up again, the NFL trade de deadline will have passed. So I'd like to offer up what I think the bears will and should do, but first I want to get your thoughts. So John, let's start with you. What do you think the bears will do? And what do you think they should do? Uh, I think they're probably going to stay in pat. I, I don't. I don't really. I don't really know what deals are. I don't think they're going to be buyers per se, uh, and unless they're going to go get somebody that's going to be here for the next two, three years, and and you know already you know has, and they're just trying. They're just basically buy out the contract, and they say we'll take on that contract because we want this person to be part of our plan next year and the year after. I'm not sure who that would be. Uh, I don't think this is going to be uh, from the Bears' point of view overly active. Uh, they they traded <laughs> last year. They traded for Clay, uh, Chase Claypool, and before the deadline this year they traded Chase Claypool. So uh, we'll see what else uh, they could potentially do. Uh, and and I know that the, there have been trade rumors about the guy we were just talking about, Jalen Johnson, and he just added to his value. If Ryan Poles feels like they're not, they not going to pursue this guy or they're not going to offer him uh, a big contract at the end of the year, maybe this is a guy that you trade for a, a day two pick or, or a mid-round pick to say, we're not going to retain him anyway. Let's see if somebody needs a, a, rent, a contender needs a really good rental cornerback for their Super Bowl run. Uh, so uh, I don't I don't know how active they will be or who they could potentially ship out, uh, but I just feel like it. I don't think there's going to be any big splashes. Now I am notoriously wrong about everything, so go ahead and play this back after you know they trade for somebody big or they trade they trade away half the team next week. Uh, but I, I I don't foresee anything big happening. Uh, Danny, you may think differently. No, John, I, I agree with you. I, I think they're going to stamp at, uh, you know, like I said, I think they're what they're going to get for Jalen Johnson is, is not going to be worth giving up on him right now. Uh, it's probably going to be like a, like you said, day two pick, maybe a third, maybe a fourth round pick. 
so they're not going to get a first or a second round pick for Jalen Johnson. So uh, I, th I think that they should they should stand pat. Uh, you know, again, the you know, job security is not secure up there. So you know, Ryan Poles' job could be up in the air, and obviously the coaching staff's job is up in the air. And if I'm if I'm Kevin Warren, and if I'm that you know a head honcho there and, and with the Bears, I'm saying, hey, don't trade anything because we, we know Ryan Poles isn't isn't great at making trades. You know, typically he you know usually he gets beaten on those trades. So uh, I'll just don't let him do anything. Let let's see what happens at the end of the season. And then we'll, you know, if we're going to keep them, then we can move on from there. But yeah, I think in terms of getting great value for Jalen Johnson, you're not going to get that. I think that's the only player. I mean, like Darnell Mooney, I don't think anyone's going to come here and give you anything of value for Darnell Mooney. So either. So I think you just stand pat and, and, and we'll see what happens next year. Alyssa, what do you think they're going to do? I know that you probably have some thoughts on this as well. Yeah, I do. And hey, I mean, I will say, you know, Danny, I think we can agree, right, that I think Ryan Poles won that Robert Quinn trade. I mean, the fact that <laughs> they were able to get what they did for him. I mean, hey, you got to... You're he stretching there, right? Taylor. You're stretching, but okay, I'll, I'll be that one. <laughs> no, but I, I agree with you guys, too. I really don't think they're going to... I think they're going to stand pat, and that's what, you know, some reports have indicated. I know Brad Biggs from the Chicago Tribune indicated as much. I mean, like we were talking about, who are some of the guys that they could sell? Jalen Johnson's definitely probably their top option. Maybe Darnell Mooney, remember the Panthers are looking for a receiver. They're desperate after they traded DJ Moore. My goodness. I mean, it's just, it's funny how things happen. Um, yeah, I don't expect them to be buyers either. You know, obviously, you know, it's going to be interesting because there's a report that, you know, Montez Sweat and Chase Young could be on the trade block. And, you know, if you're Ryan Poles, maybe you make that call. But again, like Danny was saying, I don't know if you're, you know, allowing Ryan Poles to make those decisions, especially if, you know, his status beyond this year is up in the air. But I mean, we could all be completely wrong and I could, you know, be in a car again like I was for the Roquan Smith trade and having to pull over immediately to get it up. I mean, it, it was crazy. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't think it's going to be pretty busy, but it's good to, good to know that we all agree on something. <laughs> well, and, and you, you you both bring up a really good point about if not just the, the you know, Kevin Warren, but also Ryan Poles is, it has to be thinking, if I'm not retaining this coaching staff, are we going to go trade for people who may not fit into the scheme of the next coaching staff? Or is this the kind of player that we want the next coaching staff? I mean, to a lesser extent, whenever we talk about, you know, hamstringing new coaches with quarterbacks, where this is another thing of saying, hey, we traded for this guy last year. You got to make it work. And then the, the, and the new coach may be like, I don't really have a place for this particular player. I don't really want this player or I could I could find another player that better fits my scheme. But because you traded for him last year, now I have to use him. So uh, I think that I think that's even more of a reason to kind of stand still here, because if, if they, there's going to be a different coaching staff, they're going to want to have some personnel decisions. And I'm not saying, you know, the Bears are going to trade away high draft picks and bring in these, you know, huge players, these big time players. But even if you're trading a third or fourth round pick and bringing somebody in, uh, I, I think that you're basically telling the next staff, hey, we traded for this guy last year. Find a place for him. So uh, I, I think that the, they're probably going to just stand still until they figure out what they're going to do at the end of the season. Yeah, and you look to last year at like the trades that they did make. Trading for Chase Claypool was a move for the future for Justin Fields, right? And that was a priority. And then with the Roquan Smith thing, like they just never were going to get there. So at least you go out and you get something for him. Um, and then with Robert Quinn, too, you knew he probably wasn't going to be a part of your team moving forward. So again, you go out and you get value, you get something for him. So, I mean, looking at this team now, I don't see any, you know, of those scenarios out there. So I do, I don't think we're going to see them really do much or if anything. 
And uh, just just to comment on something that Aldo said in the chat room, yes, this uh, this mustache already makes my Italian nose look freaking huge. So I, I, this is all the reason more for why I will never. Well, I, besides the fact that I can't grow a mustache, I would now I know that I shouldn't even if I can. So yes, I, I am well I am well aware of this. I can't pull this off. So I mean, <laughs> it's well. Oh, I re-glued it during uh, Aldo's video. I re so that's why I'm saying when I say I can't pull this off, that's figuratively and probably physically because at the end of the show, I probably will not be able to pull this mustache off. So we'll it's actually growing it. on me, John. I think I like you with the mustache. Oh, it's growing on me too. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's fusing to your body. It's yeah, going to become it's part of you. You are now Coach Dicka. Now. Yes, <laughs> there's worse people. <laughs> Uh, so I oh my god I completely forgot that we were doing a show okay so I I, I think let's 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 kind of have some fun here we're we're getting towards that we're getting towards the back end of this show here it, we're doing the whole Halloween thing we got Taylor Swift we got Maverick we're, that we obviously I'm Coach Dicka uh, let's talk about some Halloween memories here uh, so uh, mm. let's I mean it's whether it was you know your favorite outfit or what your least favorite outfit was or something you thought was cool ended up not being very cool uh i'm gonna just let's let's see danny i'm gonna start with you so let's, well, go, back, let's go back to your childhood what was the bad <laughs> how much you charge me to go back to my childhood right now <laughs> um, no i mean my, my worst halloween i can't i remember it vividly as, as it was back then was like i wasn't allowed to yet go all my friends had so i wasn't i was at maybe like eight or nine and, and my sister is like younger my younger sister is like you know six years younger than me so my mom went and bought us matching clown costumes so here's me big fat you know eight nine year old danny and there's a little my little sister and we're all matching matching clown costumes and we're walking trick-or-treating and i just look like a like an idiot and then i was hoping no one would recognize me because I, I didn't take the mask off. And then I'm sure enough, when I go up to trick tree, one of my, my uh, classmates says, Hey, Danny, is that you? I didn't say a word. I didn't say a word. I just took the camera and walked you. away. Yeah. I was Staying so embarrassed. You know. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. Do you, do you have a good Halloween memory? <laughs> well, and then obviously when we got older, you hang out with your friends. Now Halloween becomes fun. Now you go and and obviously, you know, you do some uh, some trick or treating and, and people don't who don't answer doors they get a special treat themselves um uh, you know you know and, and i don't want to incriminate myself here but uh you know there there are things left over just to remind them that hey next time next year make sure you open up your doors when we come trick-or-treating so there there was actually some trick in yes. in, in addition to the treating so you yeah. so you're you're kind of i mean i don't know what the statute of limitations are at this point danny but i think you just <laughs> you just can you just came out and said you were a juvenile delinquent i'll just say i i i <laughs> I practiced my uh, my throwing of, of eggs. I, I, I see how far I could throw throw an egg. <laughs> Alyssa, do you have any uh, memorable Halloweens? Um, is it corny to say this? this no. <laughs> this, this is this is so much fun. It was hilarious when we like were first talking about it a few weeks ago, and it's like, yeah, that sounds great. And then Aldo put an amazing just show together. It was it was so cool. Everyone dressed up and the theme, and like it, it was awesome. But yeah, definitely as a kid, obviously trick-or-treating was so much fun. I had like this phase where like one year I was Cinderella and the next I was a hockey player. It was just like from what it was, I was all over the place. So, um, but yeah, it's just really fun going trick-or-treating. But like Danny said, when you get older, it starts to be more fun. You go out mm. to parties. I wasn't, you know, vandalizing anything, <laughs> but go to parties, have a good time. Hey, I'll, hey, let's do it. I mean, that sounds fun. Never done it. So. But but yeah, no, Halloween's definitely fun. And I, I like this. It seems like a new tradition that we've started here, or I hope it is, because it's just it's it's been a blast tonight. 
So my one of my memorable Halloweens actually was, I think, 2020 during covid when nothing was going on uh and so i i, I thought about like there was no there was or maybe it was maybe it was, i think maybe it was 2020 or maybe 2021 what probably 2020 but anyway um no trick-or-treating no parties no anything and i remember thinking to myself well it's it's halloween weekend no one's doing anything we can't go anywhere but i remember there was i think there was a boxing match on that night or there was something no there probably wasn't a boxing match on that there was something on that night that i wanted to watch and so i dressed i found an old costume that i brought with me for some reason and it was a carrot costume it was just one big carrot foam carrot costume That's true. and i and i and i remember i just put it on and i sat in my basement by myself and i had halloween by myself dressed as a carrot because i just wanted to feel like i wanted some sense of normalcy so it was like it's halloween i dressed up i'm at a party by myself i was playing music in my basement and i sat there because it was like you know can't do anything else might as well dress up and pretend like i'm actually going somewhere so i uh i, I dressed up as a carrot and sat in my basement by myself at first this was supposed to be my good halloween now as i'm saying it out loud that might be the most depressing halloween in the say, world I'm, I'm, that was pretty sad man yeah, oh my goodness. i thought it but, was but wait, funny wait. and now the question <laughs> yeah did you have candy guess... did you have candy like oh of course candy, yeah, at least? yeah I okay. have plenty of candy yeah. it's a little a little less sad now but yeah. still. so and, and then like my i don't want to say it's my least favorite but an incredibly memorable one i think i was in fifth or sixth grade and we you'd always dress up for at school and so i at the time i was thinking ironically i'm like I mean, this is that's how my mind worked even whenever i was like an 11 year old i was being something ironically and so i was the green Teletubby whenever I was 11 years old. And so I dressed up as the green Teletubby and went to school. And I'll be honest, people didn't think it was that funny. They just made fun of me the whole time. So it was like, it, 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 I thought I was being like, oh my God, look how, like, oh, he's being the green Teletubby. That's so zany and crazy. And actually they're like, what a dork. What are, you know, they're just like, calling me a bunch of names and stuff like that. So I think I was, I was before my time. I was trying to be something, you know, funny and ironic and they just thought it was just really, really stupid. So uh, that, I guess that would be, uh, that would be a swing and a miss when it comes to costumes. So I probably won't be the green Teletubby anytime soon. Uh, I was seeing the other day something about uh, kids now have an app where like they can go in and, and they can put in like, all right, this house has the full size candy bars. So like kids can kind of scope and see which houses have the full size candy bars, which have like the, the crappy treats, and they can go in and pick and choose which house. App they or a can yeah. uh, like a candy ranker. Yeah, it tells, it tells you like, all right, like this house here, this address has the the uh, you know the full size candy bars. So it right, it hits that house because that's you know. It's like see, it's, I, it's all it's different now. It's different than see, what we were. It was always word of mouth whenever yeah. I was on the streets. Like, hey, that big house on the hill is throwing out king size Snickers. Get there while they still got them. And it was like, yeah. well, and then now you can check. You know what? Everything is just so lazy now. I'm surprised that like there people they're just not like dressing up their iPads and sending them out to get the like the Amazon drones and getting the candy and bringing it back. Like I'm sure, I'm sure I'm sure AI is going to have something where it'll just do all your trick or treating for you at some. Point. You could get a robot. You could have a robot. Yeah, and have yeah. and return yeah. back here yeah and so uh before we before we i want to keep this conversation going a little bit so we talked about memorable costumes and memorable halloweens does anybody have a favorite halloween movie or and i guess the horror genre would fall into that what would be your favorite scary movie and i mean we got decades of of uh options oh, to go through um danny i'm gonna start with you again is there something yeah. from the 80s 90s early 2000 what do you got 
to me, you can't beat Michael Myers in Halloween. Yeah. It's, it's it's that that theme song is just you knew something was going to happen. Someone's going to get stabbed in the neck or something crazy was going to happen. And, and the guy never dies. So that's the one thing is he always keeps coming back. But uh, Michael Myers for me was was way above and beyond over like even Freddy Krueger, you know, Friday 13th. That to me it was it was Michael Myers. And probably the most memorable theme out of that. Yep. I mean, the, 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 that music is iconic and still scares the crap out of me to this day. So, like, the, you don't imagine yourself in a in a in a you know a dark room or you know you can't see anything, and all of a sudden you hear that those that piano that's, start there. That's it, funny it, you said that. My, my cousin, uh, one time he was sleeping and it, and it was a dark it was a dark room, and we we all got the laptop. We we queued up the thing on YouTube, and he's terrified of scary movies. And it was it, we, it was pitch dark, and we we all sat there in darkness and we played the theme. He jumped out of bed like he was like the house was on fire. I mean, he was oh, yeah. He, was, he couldn't forgive us for like a week. He didn't talk to us. I can imagine. I don't blame him. Uh, that would that was <laughs> that would scare me as well. Uh, Alyssa, how about you? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm like that. I'm a not a big horror movie fan. <laughs> I scare very easily, which I was surprised I wasn't jumping when Aldo threw in the, those little jump scare screams. So mm-hmm. uh, good on me. But like, I mean, I think anything with like Freddy Krueger. Like, I mean, yeah. I remember watching those as a kid and just like being terrified to go to sleep. <laughs> just like terrified but oh my goodness there, there's so many to choose from and i mean it, you're always like it's always you're i'm home, home alone or you're it, it's dark and then you're hearing noises and you're like oh my goodness so i mean there's a lot to choose from i know it as a kid definitely scarred oh. me where my irrational fear of clowns nice. comes from so like when danny you were talking about your clown costume i was like oh no but yeah definitely yeah, I you just you, you just mentioned uh, it, and I just I completely forgot how much I loved the original it with Tim Curry in it in the nineties. I love that man. I am, and here's a weird thing about me: I I love horror movies with clowns. I I, fi- I find them phenomenal. Like I will go on like on like on uh, whatever whatever streaming service and just click click like clown movies and horror movies because I just I love them. They're 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 hilarious and 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 like I just love that kind of like scary clown thing. I don't know if that makes me an oddball or I should be talking to somebody about this. But like I, I just I think it's great. I love the new it. I love the old it. Um and this is here and one of my favorites is this is off the wall because it's not really even that scary, but it is a Halloween movie. I was when I was a kid growing up, I loved all of the Ernest movies with Jim Varney. Loved them. And so uh Ernest Scared Stupid, the uh it's a it's a Halloween movie with Jim Varney as playing Ernest. I watched that 20 times as a kid, not even during Halloween. I would just keep watching it and watching it and watching it. So that's one of that's one of my favorite. And then uh, I love the child's play uh, tr- uh, movies with Chucky the doll. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. those ones. I think that was one of the first horror movies I ever watched was Child's Play. Uh, the first three that came out in the eighties and early nineties. I-, I remember watching that uh, a lot. Okay, we got some. We got some Ernest Scared. I, I got one too. I, real quick, right. I, I got. Even though it's not a Halloween per se movie, but Candyman always freaked me out. Oh my god! I never oh, yeah. said Candyman three times in the mirror. Did you? And you guys do that? You guys? No. Absolutely me? not. Me. Neither. <laughs> I never, I never I'm not tempted fate. fate. I'm not doing that. Uh, and then I saw somebody uh, say the the Scream movies, which I'm a huge fan of the Scream movies, oh, from yeah. one all the way to, I guess we're on like six right now or whatever it is. Uh, I, I love the Scream movies. It, it, there's always a different person playing, or all, there, there's always a different ghost face. And it's like, it, it's not like the other ones where Freddy himself always comes back or Michael Myers himself always comes back. Uh, ghost face is still the villain, but it's a different person portraying it or it's a different character every time. 
time becoming uh becoming that villain so i i love i love the scream movies too so uh no no uh no halloween town fans here Alyssa. you weren't you weren't a disney channel i love halloween town yes okay there we go that's more my speed (laughs) (laughs) something that you can watch with like the rest of the the five and six year olds (laughs) i can watch with the lights on it's nostalgic you know there you go it's it's got it all (laughs) there you got you got halloween town there but uh yeah there's there's i love you know the 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 spooky season so to speak because i love horror movies and i love old ones i love i love the new ones uh i love i love that you can just have like ninth and tenth installments of it i believe there's like 25 nightmare on elm streets there's you know six screams how it's friday the 13th and halloween's and like there there's like 10 of each one of them and you can watch them all because they all kind of have their own movie within like the same the same it's the same character not even the same character it's the same villain basically or the same premise but they can just keep making more and more of them so uh yeah we have we have mo in the chat saying he watched exorcist at six years old oh my uh, where's where's the parental guidance there <laughs> I mean, wow exorcist at six years old that's uh that'll that'll uh that'll bring you that'll into the genre traumatize people I actually just watched uh, Poltergeist for the first time. I think like last summer, like because it, it was they were playing. It was one of those theaters that plays old movies, and you can go in for like five bucks. And they were playing Poltergeist. I had never seen it before, and then I, I'm watching it. I'm like, so that's where all these one-liners are coming from. Like the, the I think it's like uh, I forget. I forget what some of them I've heard. I'm like, I've heard these in different references so many times and i had no idea that it, that it was from uh from poltergeist and then i believe there's a a b movie make of that called poultry geist which is about chickens it's I, but that's neither here nor there uh i think i saw that's whenever like you watching I, I that, that when you're sitting in your in your carrot costume no well it's like if you go <laughs> probably uh but if you uh it's if you go to like uh, the old Netflix library before they got all their library stuff online, they were just picking up random movies to throw on there. And there's a bunch of these B movies, like old horror movies that like only went like straight to video and stuff like that. Uh, that so it was, it, there was, it was really funny to, to watch some of those movies. I know we haven't talked about football in about 20 minutes, but that's besides the case. Uh, and the last, the last one I'll, I'll bring up, which I'm not sure if it's really Halloween oriented or not, but I love watching. Have you guys ever heard of mystery science theater 3000? It is basically just old B movies that these four characters make fun of the entire time. They're just like, they're watching the movie, but as they're watching the movie, they're like making snide comments about it. I hope somebody in the chat knows what I'm talking about because it's I'm like getting... Beavis and Butthead, but like, yeah. <laughs> it's not a cartoon, <laughs> but it's like, a, I, I, I could, you, you both have sunglasses on. I can, I could feel the blank stares going through the back of my head. I got glasses on. Cause you, I couldn't, I'm like, Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Right. Yeah. So, okay. We got, okay. We're good. We're good. We got some people. We got some people. <laughs> People in there that know what I'm talking about. Good. Okay. So I'm not I'm not on an island by myself here. So we're we're doing okay. Uh, but all right. Before okay. Before we close this out. Before we close this out. Uh, we're let's let's round it out with. Uh, oh boy. What do we got here? What is this? There we go. Of course, there's no audio. <laughs> you can turn off the volume there, Aldo. Well, if you're watching is the video, talking about John? is that a movie theater? Story revolves. And I can tell you that even though I'm not superstitious, so you see those guys, I wouldn't put it on for all the wealth of the Indies or a Klondike bar. This mask is unearthly, so terrifying it has been wiped out of the memory of man. Like Entourage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So it's basically two hours of them just making fun of these really bad movies. So, and they're usually from the sixties and seventies. And so, uh, it was uh, it was really good. All right, Aldo, take it down. Thank you. Again, that's my speed. What was kind of what was a little bit scary was the if you guys heard the thriller, Michael Jackson's thriller, that guy that that actor had talked. Oh yeah. That's a little creepy when you hear that guy come out when you first like you're not expecting it and you hear the song for the first time like whoa what what's going on. Oh my God. I just saw somebody say Rouse Dower in here. And that is a absolute great pull from a Mr. Sammy Gunn. That might be my brother in this chat room now that I look at it. Okay. <laughs> so, oh my God. All right. Tell him it's I got, yeah. Yeah. He actually tuned in on the right night, which is nice because he thought it was on Tuesdays. And he, uh, somebody pulled Rouse Dower out there and I thought it was awesome. And I'm like, oh, that's my brother. Of course it's him. All right. Anyway, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's round this out here. Bears win, Bears lose, Bears close, Bears get blown out. Where are you on the meter there? We'll start with Danny and move over to Alyssa. Man, I'm, I, it's, it's it's a Sunday night game. Like like I heard you earlier saying, please, please, Bears, do not embarrass us. And and that's that's the thing. It's, it's you know, are they going to keep it close? Obviously, this the defense is playing well, uh, but this is a Chargers team that that's loaded with offense. You know, loaded with weapons. Whether it's the quarterback, the receivers, the running back. Now, now they do come in banged up, so uh, we'll see. But you know, again, Eberflus, you know, you're gonna have to provide some pressure here because your front four's not gonna get there. You got to get again those timely blitzes. And I think the, these last two games, we've seen the linebackers play well, whether it's Sanborn, Edmonds, um, or, or Edwards. I think those guys have to continue to play well. Secondary continue to get healthier. I heard uh, Alyssa say earlier that Eddie Jackson was was uh, back at practice today. You know, getting him back back there. Uh, you think I think that's where they have to kind of you know hopefully get some timely pressure on on herbert um and then also you know try and create some turnovers you know the last couple of weeks you know they've been creating those turnovers that's helping the offense getting getting them in, in shorter shorter fields and, and getting the ball back to them so uh offensively again i, I love last week's game plan uh to my surprise Getsy did what i wanted him to do actually which is 12 tight end I mean, a 12 man personnel two tight end sets and just run the ball, run the ball, establish the run, and now let's build your passing game with with the young with the young quarterback. Who again, I said earlier, doesn't look like he's overwhelmed. Uh, looks like you know he, this is Sunday night game. He might have some butterflies, me a little bit nervous, but I don't think it's going to be something where he's got deers and headlight looks. You know, so I think he's a guy that you can maybe like let's see him challenge the field, you know, throw the ball down the field a little bit, challenge defense vertically. Um, you know, if, if they do all that, and and you know, but they're gonna have to you know put some points on the board, so. Exchanging field goals for touchdowns is not going to work here. Uh, so, I mean, they have a chance. Uh, but, again, it's going to be a, a, um, you know, a primetime game. And and, and I, I guess for me right now, I'm leaning towards the Chargers winning this game. I just hope that the Bears can somehow keep it close. Alyssa, uh, where do you fall on that meter? Uh, primetime, Bajent, Chargers. Where are we on the are we on the, the blowout meter or Bears roll meter? Where in the between are we at? Well, I mean, they're coming off a win, so I'm not in the blowout meter. I mean, I feel encouraged. I think they can keep things close if they're able to replicate what they were able to do last week against the Raiders. Granted, two completely different situations, different teams, but starting with the offense, just everything that Danny said, you have that strong run game, keep leaning on it. Like, yes, I'd like to see Tyson, like a little more aggressive you know, throws downfield for Tyson Bajan, open things up a little bit for him. But also, if you have a run game that's been dominant like it has – I mean, they've posted, uh, I think, 160 rushing yards total in the last four games straight. 
it's just been incredible. Why stop running the ball when it's working? So, and, and again, those sustained drives and coming away with points. I mean, you know, like Danny also said, you're going to, have to be able to put points up in this game. The defense, you know, I think this is going to be a huge challenge for them. You know, Justin Herbert, like, you know, the video that Aldo had put up, you know, he, he's been playing like the worst football because he has that, you know, like that fractured finger on his left hand. So, I mean, I want to see the defense. They need to get pressure on him. If they're able to get pressure on him and just cause him to, you know, spook him a little bit, right? In the in the nature of Halloween, right? Spook him a little bit in the pocket and force him into those mistakes and capitalize on them, right? We've seen them come away with turnovers and uh, back to back games here. So, I mean, I think it's going to need to be another overall effort from the team. You need the offense to be solid. You need the defense to be solid. We haven't always seen that this season, right? Or in recent history. But if they can somehow replicate, you know, stick with the game plan that they did in offense, you know, don't put too much of this on Tyson Bajan's shoulders, but also let him do a little bit more. I, basically, I'm expecting it to be close. I'm still leaning with the Chargers at this point. The Bears are going to have to prove me wrong. Um, but, I mean, I don't think it's going to be a blowout, which I think would be a win in itself. So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm going to stick with what I've been saying for most of the year is that this team's error for or margin for error is so thin that if the defense isn't holding up its end or the run games fall short or the line isn't blocking well, uh, it throws everything out of out of sync. And so especially with Bajent back there, who's going to need the support of a defense and a run game to do what they did last week. Like I said in the previous segment, uh, that if if they find themselves down nine, ten points, in the second half and they got to go vertical and they got to try to score a bunch, they got to score some points in a small amount of time uh that's not that's not exactly what they're trying to do right now so it'll it'll be a little more it'll be a little more difficult i think they can keep it close uh i i'm i'm not predicting a blowout but uh i am i mean at this point um you're hoping that they can you know pull out a turnover or make a big stop or do what they need to do to pull out a really close victory so i'm kind of like right in the middle of that meter where it's not like bears roll or bears blowout it's kind of leaning in the middle and a little bit towards let's hope everything goes the way it should uh but but it's prime time so any anything can happen but uh before we i just want to say real quick john if the bears do win remember who predicted the bears being the chargers on our on our our that's the one you're gonna stick to out of everything we said that day you're gonna now, if they said Danny, let's, the shot. if they said Danny, let's go back. Are you predicting that Chargers win? But we're going to run the whole segment of all the other all the other games predicting. It's, you, you, it's gone. Huh? It's gone. It's that gone. Okay. gone. It's gone. Yeah. So, uh, let's yeah, take his word for it. We will just believe. <laughs> trust me, guys. That's my. It's like, what's your source? Trust me. Okay. Just, just <laughs> there you before, go. before we wrap things up here, uh, Alyssa, what do you got going on over uh, at Bears Wire? What kind of content can people expect this week? Yeah, we got a lot of pregame content previewing Sunday night's primetime game, which I know John and I were massive fans of because then we're going to be up. I know I'll be up until at least 2.30 a.m. probably that night getting all the content churned out. So, uh, But lots of preview content. You know, I got my hot seat watch up. You know, it's cooling down a little bit. Uh, We have some trade deadline stuff, some potential candidates. Um, and we're gonna have our game picks coming out Friday. So I have a little bit of time. Whoops. I have a little bit of time to kind of, you know, go back and forth between that meter too. Cause I'm like right in the middle. I think they're going to keep it close. You know, am I confident enough to predict them to win? Probably not, but you will see on Friday. All right, Danny, we pushed off the mock draft talk for another week, but uh, what are you, what are what are we working on right now? What are people, what can people expect in the coming weeks and months? It's getting, it's getting closer, John, with every, every loss that that first mock draft is going to, is going to pop out. And uh, 
Yeah, I mean, this this week I, I was I dove into the to the receivers and man, it's like, you know, you, you watch Marvin Harrison Jr. put up the numbers he did uh, this past Saturday, and you just you know watch his tape, and I mean, the guy's just a, is, is a hell of a receiver. Um, not too far behind is is a guy that I don't think a lot of people know about. That's Keon Coleman from Florida State, Michigan State transfer. Kid is big, kid is fast, kid is strong. Not as polished as as a Marvin Harrison Jr., but Keon Coleman is a guy that's going to make a lot of headwaves leading to the draft. So I've I've been diving into that you know to the skill positions a little bit here. And uh, like I said uh, previously, we're going to start post some some of these videos here for for players all over the board, whether it's a receiver, you know, a defensive lineman, offensive lineman. Maybe even a quarterback, unfortunately, because all those making me do it. Uh, we'll pull some videos out on here on our YouTube channel. You guys can see some of the guys that, that I've been talking about and scouting so far. All right. And don't forget to join the bar room right after the game for Bear Football, the post game show. We will have immediate reactions. Kerry Coop, e- Coach Eberflus, and other players po- post game press conferences and break down key plays of the game. But That will do it for this Halloween edition of Buffone 55. For Taylor Swift and Maverick, I'm Coach Mike Ditka. I'm going to see if I can rip my face off when I take this mustache off my face. But until then, enjoy the game, everybody. We'll see you next week.